if people are losing their jobs and they can't spend money out and about, we shouldn't be getting 128,000 more jobs in leisure and hospitality. Yeah, but they, they, but we are. Yeah, but we and, are. And that's where you can't put an abnormal stimulus in the form of the things we've done in, in the last 14 years and certainly the last couple, couple of years and expect there to be a normal recessionary result. And there are normal commonalities with recessions. Dude, sure as hell shouldn't be expecting... 25,000 more jobs in construction. I mean, what are the rates on those construction loans right now? They're not ideal. Dude, most people I know that are out of that business. But well, keep it's in like, mind what is it? Wall Street Journal Prime plus like a 1% margin? 8.5%? Yeah. Maybe a little more. I don't, what's, what's Wall Street Journal Prime today, Rune? Uh, so I think, was it 7.5? I think it's 7.5 still, yeah. But yeah. I would imagine it's 8.5 all I mean, in. I should know that. If sure. you were off your cell phone and be a little more responsive over here when I ask you questions like that, the audience wouldn't have to wait. 7.75. 7. Yeah, that's right. Went up 25 basis points the last one. So yeah, so oh, yeah, 8, yeah. 8.75. Yeah. A year ago, 3.25. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. We're getting right into an episode proving that we cannot read. Welcome back to the show, everyone. That is Saeed Omar. Say hi. Hello, everybody. Okay, a lot of content, not a whole lot of time. Let's hit you with the headlines. This week, Brian Moynihan talks about China. In his usual Brian Moynihan way, <laughs> U.S. payroll surprise with a surge as jobless rates hit a 53-year low. Mm. That, that's that's, a, that's that, a low. That's a long time. Yeah, that's a long time. Job reports tell the markets what Fed Chairman Powell tried to tell them. A new super cycle is starting, says this macro strategist, how to invest. Kathy Wood says ARK is the new NASDAQ. Insert laugh here. Yeah, is it really? <laughs> no. <laughs> what the shit? Binance to suspend U.S. dollar transfers using bank accounts. I saw this shortly before we came into the studio today. Had to include it. Got to do it. Mm -hmm. We'll hit you with a little bit of Q&A. Yeah. And if there's time, we will talk about Google releasing their really terribly named rival to ChatGPT called Bard. Yeah. I mean, they don't got nobody in marketing in there. To I mean, out with a that bit. doesn't even sound sexy. Bard? Bard. Yeah. Hey, Bard. It's kind of, no. yeah. It's, Siri sounds good. Yeah. yeah. Chat GPT sounds decent. Yeah. Bard? Yeah. Not so Sounds much. like a Simpsons joke. Yeah. And then lastly, if there's time, falling mortgage rates bring some home buyers back to the market and what our thoughts are on the matter. Yeah. Temporarily. Not that you care. But before we get started, we got to send out our blessings to everyone out in, in Turkey and Syria. It was, they were hit with a 7.8 magnitude earthquake that uh, affected a lot of people. A lot of people injured. Some even passed, passed away. So we're really sorry for anyone that's affected. So I woke up uh, last night. I couldn't sleep. Checked the news. Saw this. Kind of blew me away. It said like 100 and something people dead. 
And then, I, you know, obviously I've been staying close to the story and I've been doing some research for the show. And then by the by the time we got to the studio, it was over 4,300 people. Yeah, man. So it, it's heartbreaking. It, it's crazy to think that, and I guess this is like a news, like somebody from the news that was recording something at some point in time right. about the first hit and then the aftershock yeah. hit. Yeah. And they got, they got that on camera too. I know. I saw that without a disclaimer of what I was about to see and it was pretty oh, graphic. That wasn't me, but yeah. yeah. It, yeah, it was, it was somewhat shocking, but mm-hmm. you know, thoughts and prayers out to everybody out there in the families. Let's jump into the show, though. I don't want to deter too long from from mm-hmm. the main topics. Bank of America CEO has predicted an impact on the economy amid Chinese and U.S. tensions. He went on a show, and I have a clip. It's about a minute and forty seconds long. Love, and love me some Moynihan. Yeah, Moynihan <laughs> is is a master <laughs> at being wrong. This time he isn't wrong. He just isn't right either. So here we go. Last week, the IMF again upgraded their global outlook largely because of China reopening after zero COVID. But now with the whole balloon incident, the U.S. general warning a few weeks ago about potential war with the U.S. and China within a matter of two years, I wonder what your level of concern is right now, Brian, as you think about U.S.-China relations and the impact on the world economy. China is a wholly different interconnectivity of the world economy than you know, the Russia situation was. The sanctions on Russia came in, all the banking system and other systems enforced them. You know, that's it, but it was a smaller, more internal economy. The Chinese economy is hugely into the supply chain, obviously, of all types of things from furniture to bicycles to chips. Too late to decouple. And, and you can't, well, it, the coupling is a long, long process. And so too late is a question. But that tension you hope solves because, frankly, that it would be a, a, a much bigger hit to the world if something really went wrong. And I think that's what actually pushes people back in the room to make sure something doesn't go wrong. But it's been interesting over the last few years watching this sort of shadow boxing going on between the two countries. And But from a pure economic perspective, mm-hmm. the best thing in the world is to have free trade. The best thing to have open economies. The best thing is to have uh, goods move. The best thing is to have the U.S. citizens be able to buy TV for very low rates because they're manufactured <laughs> in places that they have an efficiency. But, in, but the reality is, is you have two countries that, are, that are, after, you know, are, are competing to be the world's dominant power, and that's going to be interesting. Your level, let's leave it here. Your level of concern about U.S.-China relations, you've been CEO for a really long time. Is it the highest now it's ever been? Well, it has to be because there's the most going on. Okay. But that's, again, you prepare for all that, you plan for all that, but, and you'd hope that the natural... Uh, Tendency, codependence pushes people back in the room. We'll see what happens. Oh, my God. All right. Yeah, there you go. Get right into it, Chief. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, a little little bit of tip to CNN's Poppy Harlow. Provide Brian Moynihan a a question ahead of time so he can maybe prepare. Maybe don't ask him the tough questions. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Americans need their TVs at cheap prices, man. Man, he was tap dancing, wasn't he? He he was like, I don't fucking, just say you don't know, bro. No one's going to judge you. Just say, you know what? I'm a U.S. banker. I'm not a geopolitical specialist. So maybe this is not my cup of tea. Right. Both teams play hard. I don't, I don't know how to answer this. Yeah, I, they were. <laughs> <laughs> I look, I love to make fun of Brian Moynihan, but he makes it so easy. Yeah, it's come not, on, It's not man. my fault, America. So here's what I'll say. Okay, look. He said absolutely nothing of value. And CNN's Poppy Harlow was probably like, what in the shit? And she was prodding him. She was trying to give him some of that gas. <laughs> yeah, Like, here, exactly. take the bait. And he was right. like, nope. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> I'm not doing this. No, no. I want to talk about cheap TVs and chips. <laughs> cheap TVs and chips. <laughs> what the? So anyway. Here's the reason why I thought this is important for the show is we just had a Chinese air balloon invade U.S. space. I was I was refusing to believe that that was actually true. Like, how is this actually possible? Because when people heard balloon, they're like, oh, how can a balloon get in? It? Not only is it in, invaded space, but apparently once they 
So it came in, from my understanding, above like um, like Idaho or something like that, and mm-hmm. then came through the Midwest and then down through South Carolina, mm-hmm. the coast where they shot it down, right? Right. But as they tracked it and kind of found it, there's been other versions of the spots, other versions of the same hot air balloon spon- mm-hmm. uh, seen. I keep saying sponsored. I don't, I'm looking for a sponsor so bad. <laughs> yeah, we man. need a sponsor. <laughs> no, it's been seen in several different countries, a similar variant of it. But here's how big it is. Thing on the bottom of it is about the size of a school bus. What? And had rudders. And ha- I mean, it was big. Yeah. So that's the problem that most people aren't, aren't grasping. But what's weird is, is that. So the Chinese satellites that are in in orbit that we already know are there right. can see all allegedly the same things that this can see. Well, but when it took that trajectory down in through the Midwest, mm-hmm. it crossed over one of the three nuclear tipped missile silos the U.S. has. It actually crossed over it. Crossed over it. And they believe this is a surveillance document. Now, of course, China has already come out and said, hey, this is one of ours, but it, it was a civilian craft you know meant for weather patterns and research this thing had rudders on it, it had it had fans and it, a little it heads move. up a little heads up would be nice yeah well so they did some research based mm-hmm. on the movements and what they found from this thing mm-hmm. they're still pulling it out like so all the major parts were pulled out of the south carolina ocean but they're still trying to get more parts from the bottom of the ocean it's only been about 50 feet of water right but what's crazy is is based on what they found they found two more instances of these things in the last several years going back to trump's presidency Crossing into U.S. airspace. This is the what first if this one? thing this is had a, a nuclear missile on it? Right. Yeah. Just they're gonna float, kill you slowly. Just floating around, letting it drop. I mean, between this surveillance and TikTok, I mean, what are they trying to do? I mean, essentially, they own the United States already. <laughs> we're getting punked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're like, hey, yeah. U.S., we're gonna send something the size of a school bus into your atmosphere for no other reason than to say, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then we're gonna admit that it's lie, ours. Man. That's pretty fucking. It's scary. ours, but it's not. It's not really ours. It's somebody private owns it. That's pretty. It, it, that's pretty fucking scary. It's though. really scary, man. Like, yeah. can you imagine? Like that gets in three times, and it didn't cross. It went all the way through Canada. Came. It took a whole field trip across the U.S. <laughs> it took a field trip. <laughs> yeah, man. And it took three days for them to decide to shoot it down. They're like, we don't want to hurt civilians, bro. It crossed over Missouri, bro. I mean, they're probably thinking about what if we shot this thing down? What if it just explodes in midair? Well, because they didn't know. Does it yeah, have nukes on it? Like, what's the it, deal? Yeah, exactly. Like, they have no idea. Which is even scarier when you think about it, right? It, it, right. It's incredibly scary to think like, wait a minute, this thing could be uh, anything. Yeah, exactly. Like y'all, y'all had no idea. All the variables. Yeah, all the variables out there. But I don't know, man. Uh, I, it was nice to read something different after the jobs report that came out. Oh, my gosh. This one just all the expectations just blew it right out just, of the water. More than double. Th- this was the tantamount to a bitch slap <laughs> to yeah. the U.S. economy. I yeah. mean. This, yeah, exactly. This was the Will Smith to, to Chris Rock. <laughs> yeah. If Chris Rock was Jerome Powell, Jerome Powell, right? <laughs> jobs just gave the Will Smith bitch slap of adding five hundred and seventeen thousand jobs in January, far exceeding economist forecast. The forecast was one hundred eighty-eight thousand. To put yeah. it in perspective, I would say they missed the ball on that one a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. I mean, keep my wife's name out, out your motherfucking mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, man. Yeah. So that that break that breakdown comes as like this. So 128,000 was added to Legion Hospitality. That's a recurring theme. We're seeing that jobs every month are being added to Legion Hospitality, right? Which again is shocking because consumer spending, consumer discretionary spending, should be pulling back. Should be pulling back, and, and it's coming down, right? Uh, healthcare fifty eight thousand, retail thirty thousand, construction added twenty five thousand. I don't get that one either, dude. Don't get that one. That no. one usually you, we should be expecting that one to actually be in the negative. 
in manufacturing, 19,000. Also, something worth adding, the average hourly wages was up 4.4% year over year. Now, I guess the positive, but also a negative with that is that's down from 4.8 the previous month. So yes, wages aren't keeping up with inflation, but Jerome Powell is trying to attack this and have it come down to help inflation come down. I can't believe you didn't read the most powerful sentence from the entire article, man. Well, I mean, I was leaving that to you for the, for the unemployment rate. Oh, you were. Thank you. That was very good. That's yeah. exactly what I was referring to. I know. Look Come on, you. man. We're a team. Tag we team. Practice that. Tag all. team. That was, back again. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ever do that on the show. The <laughs> unemployment rate dropped to three point four percent, the lowest since May of my favorite year in history, nineteen sixty nine. Why? Why? Why would you say that? I like the way it looks. Mm. The numbers. Right. It reminds me of the was hippie the, era where people that, were was free. That, wasn't that the year we landed on the moon? And average hourly earnings grew at a steady clip. Yeah. I had to finish all the full sentence. Got it. I felt it was sexier that way. Mm -hmm. So I would say the jobs report is not an ideal set of circumstances. According to Barron's, the job report tells markets what the Fed Chairman Powell tried to tell them. Right. Yeah. Does anybody want to guess what Powell was saying this entire time? <laughs> yeah, we need this number to go the other way. In the wake of the report, Wall Street just halved. Repeat, halved mm. its prediction of an interest rate cut this year. Thursday afternoon when this came out, money markets gave a 60% chance that rates would start to come down by the end of this year. By Friday lunchtime, that was down to 30%. Yeah, that's not happening. Yeah, not so going to happen. Powell, Powell said um, at his last press conference that he was looking at three things, right? Three main things that he was looking at. Goods inflation, which we've already noted that that is starting to come down although service, services inflation is coming up. He was looking at housing, and he was looking at wages, right? So wages is going to get very sticky as this continues to go, especially if we continue with a hot labor market, right? So if a millennial were here, would they call it a fire labor market? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> is 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 a, <laughs> a fire labor market, just, just to be clear. I just, right. I'm, not, I'm trying to appeal to everybody, you know what I mean? So this is these are the type of numbers that are that are we're getting that makes people feel like this quote unquote soft landing is still attainable. <laughs> you remember how when the last jobs report came out, everyone was like, wait, wait, wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. This has got uh seasonal part-time workers and these numbers are messed up, man. Yeah. And then this comes out after that and it's like a kick right in the ding ding. There's a, there's a Will Smith slap in the face <laughs> trend right. that's going on here. But I found this to be incredibly shocking and yet here we are with this probability of 60 mm percent -hmm. prior to this coming out 60 percent of the people polled thought there was going to be a rate cut who are you listening to right the fed has been clear there will be he has said there will be no rate cut in 2023 well, this is barring a geopolitical event like the one that could be caused with china's shenanigans right exactly and this is kind of like what we talked about on either the last episode or the episode before that uh, with the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, mm -hmm. how people were you know, buying these contracts and not believing in what the Fed is saying and actually what they were predicting rates to be lower um, and there was like only a 2% chance of it hitting what yeah. they said it was gonna hit. So with this, okay, now with this report, it's almost solidified. We're for sure getting another 25 basis point hike, which was some people were in question, right? Now it also opens the door for the following one as well. So I would like to I would like to throw out another thing to think about too. Mm -hmm. Okay, and this is why really I think the Brian Moynihan and the 
and his comments actually have some value here, despite the fact that it sounded really dumb. The one thing we've said over and over again on the show is barring a geopolitical event that, you know, we expect things to go like this. Yes. If you're China mm -hmm. and you know the U.S. has an election coming up in November of 24 mm -hmm. and you know the U.S. economy is weak and they've hit their debt ceiling and you know all these things are happening and you're trying to become the number one world superpower. Mm -hmm. Is it really a stretch of the imagination to think between that and things like TikTok? Mm -hmm. and things like Binance, which we'll get into later on in the show, where, right. where you guys have infiltrated a lot of, of the U.S. ecosystem. Would it be so far to, like, strange to think that maybe they want to create a geopolitical event? Right. They sent a hot air balloon with a, a, a school bus size big contraption for who knows what, and arguably Intel. That nobody can understand as to why. Nobody can understand as to why. Into our aerospace. Mm -hmm. It got past our defenses, past NORAD. Even they were like, yeah, this was a, a domain error. We don't know what happened. Bro, it's not a website. Right. You let a giant piece of metal above our airway that could do anything. Right. Would it be so such a stretch in the imagination to think that China, and then they turn around and claim it, is intentionally trying to cause a geopolitical event? Right. Saying, I dare you, U.S.? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not a stretch, right? I don't think so, no. So this is all, I mean, our economy is not headed in the right direction as it is now. And I, you and I on the show on more than one occasion, and we warn people, I do this, I hesitate to do this because every time I do this, someone calls us negative. We have warned people, don't be overly optimistic yet. This is why. Right. It is not the raising rates that's the pain. Mm -hmm. It's the holding them that will be the pain. Right. And that's the that's the thing where I feel like it's going to really shock people because, all right, we've talked about the Fed pivot, you know, and how there's multiple stages to, to the Fed actually pivoting, right? Stage one of the pivot is when they start decelerating the rate hikes. So, so basically when they went from 75 basis points down to 50 basis points, okay, boom, we've entered the, you know, decelerating the rate hikes, which on the last one, we're down to 25 basis points. The next stage of this will be once they start holding, yep. which, and that's the most painful, right? Because people are going to say, look, inflation's headed in the right direction, and there's going to be this huge discussion of like, Jerome Powell has said he wants to see it going down on a fast trend, right? He doesn't need it to see it hit 2% in order to ease up, but that's going to be a big topic of discussion. Like A lot of people think it's, it's, we're already there. He's going to say, no, we're not, because they rely heavily on the data. It pains me to say this. You know what? I don't just say it, man. It's difficult. Like, I'm I'm choking up a little bit. Are you? Okay. You were you were right about the March Fed interest rate increase. I was right. Oh god, right. that tasted terrible. To say. <laughs> Honestly, oh. I don't feel like it, it was that hard of a prediction because the Fed already came out. If, if this number would have been good, I, and what I'm sorry, what this What's number would have been what it should have been. What Jerome Powell was aiming for, like right. you know, hundred something thousand. And we got another good print that was in line with their expectations. I think there, there was a, there was a pathway for the March increase to there, be avoidable. I agree because he he does benefit for the next meeting. He'll get two uh, CPI reports yeah. printed. But now now I, I don't I don't know how you avoid March. I, I don't know how you avoid March. But look, he he's he's come out and they've already said right that the the terminal rate will be anywhere between five point one to five point four percent. Okay, so that would entail mean. At least two more. Yeah, which now, again, that is the consensus is that there's possibly at the next Fed meeting, which is in May, mm -hmm. there will be an additional 25 basis Because right there. now, we're currently at a Fed funds borrowing rate of 4.5 to 4.75%. Yeah. So at the next one, if they do another 25 basis point, which 
I think at this point forward, with every time they raise it, it won't be more. It, they're not going to go back to 50 basis points. No, no, not no, yet. No. Any, not yet, anyways, unless things get crazy, right? Which I, I don't predict them Again, doing. Again, barring a geopolitical event. Right, yeah. barring a geopolitical event. Um, that'll raise it then from uh, to 4.75 to 5%. Yeah. And I, I still believe in May... <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think it's a fair call at this point. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna push. I back. think it may they'll go in an additional 25 basis. Yeah, points. I think the market, the general consensus in the market, especially from like Bloomberg and some of the major outlets, because all these reports are showing, they're real. showing, man, they're showing how the lag effect of all this is take. It's it's long, man. This is a long drawn out process. And again, I've had, I can't tell you how many, how many arguments with people over the last year mm-hmm. where I've tried to explain to them that a lagging indicator would normally take a certain period of time. You can pick an indicator and it varies, right? Mm-hmm. But a lagging indicator after a prolonged period of interest rate deflation, mm-hmm. a historically long period, right. 14 years, then you walk in unprecedented stimulus, unprecedented pandemic, mm-hmm. unprecedented thing after unprecedented thing, unprecedented Fed interest rate increase. Right. All this stuff. Did you really expect not to have an unprecedented recessionary economy? Right. Exactly. Um, how do you avoid that? Yeah. And yet people are going like, oh, my God, the market's positive. It's amazing. Right. The run up before the, the announcement of the Fed interest rate increase where the 10 years started to dip a little bit. I'm looking at it going like, what? Yeah. How, how is this? And people I, and the realtor community, I, I, again, some realtors are great, but the realtor community out there. They're latching onto this going, yes, there's a deceleration. Yes, 25 basis points. The market's coming back. And I'm going like, guys, you got to understand, like peaks and valleys, ups and downs. Right. In the, in the middle of things, sounds all well and good. Mm-hmm. But this, this is not good. No. This is all bad news. It's, and this, this jobs number is way more impactful than people realize. Right. It, it, it would be better for the long run if we had already started to see the effects. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Because, I mean... You know, this is like it's earnings season, right? And earning expectations for Q1 and Q2 are expected to be negative, right? Oh yeah, Q1 and Q2, I, I think are largely going to be negative. So what does that tell you, man? If 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 people aren't feeling it yet, but companies are predicting it, yeah. Well, I mean, this is all based on analytics. So maybe this is actually a good thing to talk about. We don't really do on the show that often. So in sectors, mm-hmm. like the banking sector, is a great example. There are analysts who have certain companies mm-hmm. that are in their book. It's yes. their job to know these companies immensely well. That, you're talking about analysts like on Wall Street? On Wall Street, right? Right. That Their, their job is, is to know these companies. They're, they're the analysts who call the earnings call and ask questions. Mm-hmm. And their jobs are vital, vital to setting proper expectations. So what kind of, let, let's give an example. So an analyst calls in and listens to an earnings call, right? Right. And they open the floor up to questions. So calls. before an earnings call, you'll get, generally speaking, their their quarter results, right? Right. So the ones that just came out were fourth quarter results. And an earnings call will happen where they'll talk about their fourth quarter results and mm-hmm. they'll kind of give you a rundown. It's usually the, the month after. Uh-huh. Uh, usually banks are all around the same week, the same period of time, but different different reports. And you can go on it, it, to any number of websites and, and check and see what, what companies are reporting earnings that week, right? Okay. But earnings season is a is a big is kind of a big deal. It lets you know how companies did, and mm-hmm. it gives you an idea to level set your expectations for what they're going to do. Right. So it's not just these companies saying, "Hey, we don't see ourselves being as profitable moving forward, or we're cutting this, or we're having reductions in force." It's also the analysts saying, "Okay, we're looking at the numbers. 
we're concerned we're going to upgrade this 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 investment in in them we're going to downgrade this investment in them right we're going to we're going to change our our perspective position on them whatever that might be mm-hmm. so there's a lot of eyes on these things and for both earnings seasons for Q1 and Q2 to already be thought of as largely negative it goes to show you there's a lot of people that have their hands on these companies and their and their forecasted earnings mm-hmm that really have a cons- to have a consensus like this, it means everybody's expecting things to be bad. Right. Yet the market, the stock market, and everybody else is trading high. This is why Jamie Dimon, this is this is why Michael Burry and these people are talking about there's another 15 to 20% of the stock market down to go is because they see what's coming in Q1 and Q2. Right. And the first sign you're going to see this, January, February, March, April is going to be your first reporting season I believe, where you're going to see some negativity. Yeah, I believe Jamie Dimon said over the next six to nine months, like I think it was in December. Yeah. Yeah, so expect that to come in Q2, mm-hmm. right, at the beginning of Q2. Um, now, I mean, so we'll say to go from a peak of 9.1% inflation in June to 6.5% right now, I mean, that that's all well and good. Okay. Yeah, but it gets stickier. That's the point. It takes more to push the numbers down the lower you go. And the analogy we gave people was it's like when you're, you know, it's like imagine a bodybuilder cutting weight when they get, when they're trying to go on stage and perform. Mm -hmm. As as you get later on. You know what this feels like? What? Are you doing this? No, I'm just asking. I'm just just speaking from like experience. (laughs) Yeah. As you go to the gym and you continue to try to cut weight. So you've heard. Yeah. The more and more you lose weight, it becomes harder and harder to lose that final five, 10 pounds. Allegedly. Allegedly. Come on, man. <laughs> Don't make me show you these photos. I would love to see some of those photos. You got him? Yeah. I bet you have it in your screensaver, you arrogant <laughs> bastard. <laughs> it's true, though. And th- and that's where you'll, you'll see a lot of rhetoric from me on, on certain people's pages when I see people. And I try to do this collegially when I can. I mean... I, I don't like to get into fights with people online, but I like to prod a little bit and say, okay, if you are so optimistic about where the economy is going, mm-hmm. this is what I'm seeing. What do you have to say about it? Right. Sometimes you get some mean responses. Sometimes you get a collegial debate. I've had a lot of really good ones recently where people will give me their thoughts. But more often than not, you get optimism and no facts. Right. And look, I respect optimism. I do. You know, and, and we need that mm-hmm. because that, that's how you that's how you maintain, you know, a level of success and level of sanity. Mm-hmm. But I also try to, I like to be a realist. Mm-hmm. I want to be real with, with everybody that I'm talking to and say, hey, look, like I would love for that to happen, but I don't see that, man. Right. So the, and here's why. Exactly. So the first positive step in the right direction for Jerome Powell with this report, if there was one, was that wages came down you know, from 4.8% to 4.4%, albeit a very small step. But if wages start to come down, then you would anticipate that People won't be spending as much. But and, with jobs like this, yeah, you're not going to get wages coming down. Yeah. So th- there's a couple things that I think people disconnect on. Mm-hmm. So unemployment needs to rise. Yes. Wages need to but come exp- down. Explain to people why unemployment needs to rise. Because people hear us say that and they call us negative. But why does unemployment need to rise in order for this to come down? It's the natural byproduct of, of Fed policy. Mm-hmm. So... The Fed's two missions are to effectively control monetary policy and control um, control employment. Right. Healthy unemployment is about 5% because there's a certain amount of transitory migration from job to job that's normal and healthy. Yes. So I would say that anytime you see unemployment as low as it has been in this last several months, 3.4% being a great example, the most recent one, I would say mm-hmm. you've got an unhealthy number at, at, uh, for unemployment. Right. So they're trying to raise that number up intentionally, trying to raise that number up as right. one of their primary goals. As much as we talk about a 2 to 3% target inflation rate, that's right. only half their job. The other job 
is making sure that employment is in control because Here's the problem mm -hmm. is that when people are that secure in their jobs mm -hmm. and wages are that high, mm -hmm. they spend more. That's the it, that was the point that I, I was hoping you'd get to. Exactly. You hoping I eventually get to? Yeah. I didn't I was, get there man, fast man, enough. No, you did. You did. You ran. You ran the clock a little bit. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that, we here to get. <laughs> we here to get listeners. <laughs> listeners. Okay? Yeah. I mean, that's the whole point, right? So if if people are losing their jobs and they can't spend money out and about, we shouldn't be getting. 128,000 more jobs in leisure and hospitality. Yeah, but they, they, but we are. Yeah, but we and, are. And that's where you can't put an abnormal stimulus in the form of the things we've done in, in the last 14 years, and certainly the last couple, couple of years, and expect there to be a normal recessionary result. And there are normal commonalities with recessions. Dude, sure as hell shouldn't be expecting 25,000 more jobs in construction. I mean, what are the rates on those construction loans right now? They're not ideal. Dude, most people I know that are out of that business. But well, it's like, what is it? Too, Wall Street Journal Prime plus like a 1% margin? 8.5%? Yeah. Maybe a little more. I don't, what's, what's Wall Street Journal Prime today, Ron? Uh, so I think, was it 7.5? I think 7.5 still, yeah. But yeah. I would imagine it's 8.5 all I mean, in. I should know that. If sure. you were off your cell phone and be a little more responsive over here when I ask you questions like that, the audience wouldn't have to wait. 7.75. 7. Yeah, that's right. went up 25 basis points the last one. So yeah, so oh, yeah, 8.75. Yeah. 8. Yeah. A year ago, 3.25. <laughs> Yeah. yeah that's a my evil laugh yeah that was, it. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was fucked up see i wasn't laughing that's fucked up that was also my evil laugh yeah all right so but that's not sustainable right what i had a question for you on this so when people talk about how you can't fight inflation until you have positive rates right mm -hmm. what what do they mean by that you can't fight inflation until you have i think, I think it's, it's like so you, rates Rates have to be higher than yes. what the inflation inflation is. Right? Generally speaking, that that's the kind of the underlying rule or principle in finances. The rates have to be higher than your current inflation to move it down to your target inflation. Right. You know, yeah. and we're not there yet. No, and, and we're not, and and that's that's kind of the scary thing. Plus, uh, another great example of that is the yield curve inversion that I always talk about. Yeah, that, that's a, there. There are if, if you look at classical recessionary warning signs. Mm -hmm. We, we have a lot of like traditional warning signs like flashing right now that people aren't looking at because they're so hung up on their lack of financial literacy of what some of these quote positive things mean. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, the jobs number came out. It's amazing. Dude, that just doomed the market, man. Yeah, exactly. You're right. I mean, yeah. you just took a, a Molotov cocktail and threw it at, at the Fed and said, now what? Yeah. And, and how people are spinning this and what they're hoping for is still this soft landing approach where somebody you know, said that to me today, man, I, yeah. I almost came unglued. I was like. What world are you living in that you think a soft landing is still a soft landing, hard landing, still a recession? Still, a, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like, yeah. It's a recession. Stop with this this nonsensical vernacular. Right. Like nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares except for one man. Who? Jurian Timmer. Mm, I tried to open this article. I don't. I don't subscribe, so I can't, I can't read it. I don't know that you have to refresh your catch, <laughs> clear the stuff you looked at, so you can go back in and look at it. And I'm not afraid of extra work. No, save mean. a dollar. Yeah, my, contrib my contribution to this is he's the director of global <laughs> macro at Fidelity Investments. I went ahead and yeah. Googled him. Yeah. They gave him a solid picture too of standing in front of neon signs, looking off in the distance and like this OG look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, if you're an economist or, you know, you're somebody who's in the finance space and someone ever takes a photo of you like this, yeah. you made it. Congratulations. Yeah, you won. Ironically, we've got neon in the background. We should probably do that here. Mm. Do, it, do it of you. So sexy. Chief economist of the highest standard. Yeah, there you go. You're the only one wearing dunks though. <laughs> All right. A quote from Mr. Timmer. Uh, the recession call would seem obvious here mm -hmm. with the Treasury yield curve, the most inverted in 40 years. I wonder who said that before. Not a problem, though. That seems weird. Yeah. Maybe maybe somebody from the higher standard. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. Never get, we never get any respect in the media. No love, man. Come on. <laughs>
And the Federal Reserve intending to take an interest rate above 5%, talking about the Fed terminal rate, Mm-hmm. Every time the Fed has gone that far into the restrictive zone, two to three percentage points above a neutral rate at which the economy is theoretically, quote, in balance, mm-hmm. we have had a, a recession. A recession. We're supposed to say in unison. I try. I mean, you do it again? Yeah. A, a recession. recession. There you go. <laughs> Dude, where's my car? Yeah, that was so good. <laughs> The valuation of the S&P 500 as measured by the price earnings multiple declined by 31% last year. The question is, how much is priced in? That is a good question. It is a good question. That's yeah. why Jurion has got these dope-ass photos on Barron's. Yeah, stud, man. Looking like a straight OG. He looked a little bit like a young Warren Buffett there. Yeah. Oh, man. A little bit. Yeah, he'll that's, take that's, that. That's you a know, compliment. He'll be as, of course it's a compliment. Yeah. You know, I mean, but you're not just Warren all, Buffett, Jurion. He's, he's just missing a Coke. Yeah. Oh, and uh, is it a cheeseburger that he eats or a Big Mac? I think yeah. No, it is. I think it's a it's a cheeseburger. Yeah. yeah. And he has like ice cream. And he does he own like C's candy too? Uh, I think he has a percentage. I don't think he owns it. I don't know, man. He they, t- they tend to do that. At ninety two, Warren Buffett flourishes on his junk food diet. <laughs> the billionaire investor is known to feast on colas. Who calls it colas? Yeah. Ice cream, burgers, hot dogs, and an assortment of food. That the world knows as junk food. This is so fucked up. He gets he actually gets a little bit of hate for this too. I am one quarter Coca-Cola, he once said to Fortune. Because <laughs> like he 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 sells this stuff and then he'll also sell you the insurance on the back end. I love it. Yeah. Taking taking down big, you know, hot dogs. Yeah. You, yeah, you like taking down, you like taking down big hot dogs, the glizzies. Uh, glizzies, you call, you call the them glizzies. I'm trying, I don't you're know not, the you're vernacular, not, you're not, bro. Not, uh, that's why I'm here. Why, why is that like a cool term? On I don't get. Media I, I don't even know where glizzies. Can you look that up? What? Why? That, why we, glizzy? Come on, bro. We can't be this age. If we're if we have to Google like the current vernacular, <laughs> you know where its source data is. Source the glizzy. The, the glizzy urban dictionary. Urban dictionary. Another word for hot dog in D.C. Well, what does that mean, D.C.? Why? Yeah. Why? Why only there? Like the comics. Yeah. Click up. But you like taking on glizzies, huh? Glizzies, which what is that? The so-called Izzle speak for Glock. What? No, no, that's we're not. Gliz. That's a gliz. All right, back to the show. That's not a glizzy. Back to the show. So, so your boy Jurion. Glizzy means Glock. A glizzy is a handgun. No, gl- so this is very confusing. No, is it a, a handgun or a hot dog? A glizzy is a hot dog. I can say that for a fact. Relax, parents. Here's what a glizzy means on TikTok. Oh, thank you, for article. Mm-hmm. At this point, we've learned uh, that TikTok has its own special vocabulary: simp, mm-hmm. Heather, FYP. I don't, I don't know what any, I don't know what any 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 well, of for your mean. page is FYP simp is you and then Heather. <laughs> well I just know it's a derogatory term what is a simp <laughs> I don't know either but it is derogatory <laughs> these are all things that uh, we would have no idea about were it not for the popular video sharing app and now there's a new word to add to the list so Glizzy saying, so they're saying we should be thankful for TikTok we're going to be on this is china this is where the geopolitical event happens we're going to be honest we're a little nervous to dig deep into this one glizzy just sounds like one of those terms that could end up being you know r-rated i was thinking a little more than r-rated yeah uh but we were curious and it turns out we didn't have to worry the team the term actually is relatively innocent without further ado here's what glizzy means on tiktok god damn it i gotta watch a tiktok it means hot dog okay let's move on thank you i tried to tell you so your bo- your boy Jerry on oh there's what? a use for it glizzy the stizzy <laughs> it's, it's a use case you use it that in a sentence for your spelling you're me, kids wildly excited about this because Gl- I just learned this term yeah I can't eat glizzies because I got a cholesterol issue but <laughs> I mean if I didn't <laughs> so Jerry on from Fidelity Investments <laughs> he just 
simp. Simp is slang for a person, typically a man who is desperate for the attention and affection of someone else. Typically, typically a, woman. a woman. So I'm I'm a simp for you. You're that, simp. That it. <laughs> Give me your attention. <laughs> I told you you were sipping. Which exactly what I'm trying to do? Get us back on track. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jerry on Timmer from Fidelity Investments. What he's worried about, also right? Also a simp. Is that <laughs> investors? <laughs> are too optimistic about the outlook for the economy and corporate profits. Of course they are. Look at look at the rhetoric that you're hearing. And this is where the consumer mm-hmm. and everybody out there who does not work on Wall Street for the purposes of this, you are a consumer. <laughs> yeah. Okay? The consumer is buying into the puffery in the media. Right. And the puffery in they the media. They want to believe it's so bad. They want to believe it's so bad because nobody wants to believe that pain is ahead. Because what do you do when pain is ahead? Mm. You got to save. You got to expect tough times. You got to plan accordingly. You can't live this lifestyle that you've been living for the last, in some cases, 14 to 20 years. And why and why would media cycles even tell you to like, you know, to create this type of outrage where it could cause people to pull money out of out of the financial? Well, not only that, but that would have upset a lot of their sponsors. There's two ways to sell articles in the media. Mm-hmm. Good news and bad news. Yeah. Which, okay. which one gets more ratings? They both get great ratings. Uh, so they give you. Both in I, many cases. I feel like conflict and bad news get you more ratings. Sometimes, but I mean, sometimes no. I mean, when it comes to certain topics, yeah, certain topics, no. I don't when know, it comes man. to the economy, Look, like, for I instance, think I know CNN's ratings were through the roof when they were talking about Trump every day and how what of a you know bad of a, bad of a guy he was. And next thing you know, they're seeing their ratings plummet once he's out of office. Uh, you know, I don't really know what their ratings were like back then because I, uh, was really focused on making money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as I'm you not a politician. Yeah. yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah. not a politician. Yeah. I'm trying to focus on that work. Right. You know, yeah. and I'm trying to focus on making fun of people like Kathy Wood. Oh, Segway. Segway game on fire. Arc. I got lucky that, uh, that Arun pulled that up at the right time. So Kathy mm. Wood says, Ark is the new NASDAQ. Mm. And for those of you out there who don't know Kathy Wood. Our internal pull up something interesting that Saeed can read and make you feel like he knew it all along. Mm-hmm. But Kathy Wood's funds had a scorching start to the year, and she wants Involved investors it. to know it. The year, by the way, beginning in January. <laughs> but uh, they typically invest a lot in tech, right? Our, yeah, they're our very, they're, investments. Hence, the Nasdaq's also a lot of tech. So that, that's yeah. the reference to, to the new Nasdaq. No, Arc has had a really shitty couple of years. Yeah, the fund is still down more than seventy percent from its peak two years ago right underperforming the index by about threefold but that's kind of crazy right that the nasdaq i think uh, tenfold sorry tenfold I, oh shit i read that wrong yeah i was um i was reading something and i, I saw that it was up like 20 percent, but it could be i think now it's up 15 percent as of today yeah so she has occasional pops like this i i truly and i'm not even trying to be trying to be funny here mm-hmm. I, I have no idea why people are so fascinated and in love with kathy wood yeah, her performance of her fund has been terrible. So over the last few years, but then she also made a lot of people a lot of money, you know, for a greater portion of the last like fourteen years, right? But who wasn't making a lot of money? Yeah, again, ex- exactly right, correct. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't understand any of this of like how she became so like uh, well regarded. Mm-hmm. So as of can't the thirty first sh- of December, twenty twenty one, shitting on her, bro. Alma mater, University of Southern California. I know, I know. She's supposed to be the homie. Yeah, but she went there before I was born, so there you go. (laughs) Kathy Wood's ARK ETF came in fifth place among Morningstar's list of top wealth-destroying funds compiled by portfolio strategist Amy C. uh, Arnott. 
mm-hmm. and ranked just below investment vehicles from Credit Credit Suisse. I can't Alps, Cranes shares and Barclay. I I, I give up. Yeah, so I give up. I'm not a reader. So um, we're we're grouping her in with. Can Kramer. someone give me pictures with Kramer? Yeah. Well, no, Kramer's a troll. Kramer, <laughs> if you bet against Kramer, you do the inverse Kramer fund, you'll go to the moon. You're good to go. Yeah. Cash money every single time with Kramer to the moon. Kathy Wood is constantly ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Okay, your fund is up. You're down seventy percent compared to the Nasdaq. You're down seventy percent, down tenfold compared to the Nasdaq, and you're out here mm-hmm. saying right. that. As of the, the year, we're up 40%. Since January? Right. Yeah. What the shit? Why is this news? Mm-hmm. And yet this stuff comes out constantly. And this is the kind of stuff where like when these major outlets, CNN, anybody, they, they pick you up and you become right. in vogue to talk about. Right. Then they, they put out articles like this. Anytime you say anything and you get a lot of press and I, I don't get it. Right. I don't get how people see her and they see her as, as somebody who should be, I mean, Look, read the, read the, the quote I just gave you just said it's one of the worst investments. It's some yeah, people, wealth yeah. depleter. Right. So she she runs, right, this in, uh, investment firm, right? As of December 2022, Wood's flagship fund, ARK Innovation, had lagged behind the S&P for five years, dropping in value by more than 80% from last year's peak. I'm, am I not speaking truth? Right. <laughs> it's the truth. I'm not. First of all, why are you not upset about this at all? I, I am. I am upset about it. But I'm, what I'm trying to think about and wrap my head around is, like, okay, we we know she's bad and oh, and you're investments. simping. I'm simping. I'm simping. <laughs> I'm simping for her. It's not short for sympathy. We found that out the hard way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> but so she runs this an investment firm, right? So I mean, if 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 you're someone listening to this show that you know has some cash saved up and you want. You know, you don't know where to begin and you want to take your money to an investment firm. You know, what is something that you you would start to, you know, look into and research? Uh, what what are some qualities in a firm that matter most to you? Obviously, not losing money is not one of them, but every single firm you go to should be able to show you their performance. Okay. Their performance over multiple years. Now, what I will say is you need to be very cautious of looking at people's performance when you plan to invest with them. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times the performance they're giving you, that can also be purchased. So According to SEC rules, if I'm a wealth advisory firm and mm-hmm. I buy another wealth advisory firm, yes. I'm allowed to include their history in my firm's history and represent that to be mine because I've now acquired them. Right. A lot of that kind of stuff can happen. But you really have to trust your financial advisor to be giving you good advice. Okay. And what I would say is if you look at her performance, it is well known she is not giving people good advice mm-hmm. because look at how her, form, her, her she's performing. Right. She was super heavy in tech. And just like you started this whole thing off, the last 14 years, right. bro, you couldn't miss. Yeah, exactly. Light it on fire. It was always going to be win. Steph Curry shooting out there. Yeah, it was easy. Mm-hmm. Now it's a little bit hard, man. She's up 40% you know, in a month. Right. I'm sorry. I'm not impressed. Show me where you are at the end of the year, girl. Yeah. It's all good. And look, this is not a knock against her in any other way. It kind of sounds like it is. Okay, it is a knock against her, <laughs> but it's just, I'm so tired of like the media picking this stuff up and like putting her on a pedestal. I, I don't get it. Yeah, I, I don't get it. If Jamie Dimon comes out and says, "Hey, I, you know, this is what I think," I listen. Yeah. He's got a performance track record that's really hard to beat. Right, biggest bank in the world. Right, you know, if, if Brian Moynihan comes out and say it, I go, nah, I don't know that I believe that. Right, I've heard you say some pretty dumb shit, Brian. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I'm not mad. Like. 
I've never heard Jamie come out and say something stupid. If anything, I've heard him like like openly pimp slap people on Ernie's calls. Love that. That's why I make more money than you. Yeah, love <laughs> we that. heard that in a prior episode. I'm all about. But that. I mean, again, so I see Kathy Wood come out, and I'm like, come on, man. Yeah. Like you can't have your fun be down that much, and then turn around and say, as a quote to the media, that my fund arc mm-hmm. is the new Nasdaq. What? Yeah, that's some shit right there. That, that takes some balls. Yeah. It does. It does. It does. It does. And I'm I'm not. I'm not a but fan. That's, but, that's, but that's her job, right? Her job is to sell her company. What is she supposed to say? We're and there tra- might be some truth in that. We're trash. There might be some truth in that. But, you know, I, I, I did want to get into that because I knew that I would be riled up. Yeah. For when you get riled up for what I'm going to say next. Okay. Which is? Are you ready? I'm ready. I need you to sit up and get proper. And if you're listening to this while driving or you're at home, just know that you're going to have to cover up those baby ears if you get sensitive to Saeed getting really, really frustrated because he likes to cuss when he talks about being right. This is some shit right here. Okay, well, I'm going to read it. This from an article from Bloomberg. Mm-hmm. It was buried. This mm-hmm. was not front page news. I had to find this. I dug right. for you for this. Right. You dug for me. I dug for you. Okay. I took this down like a glizzy, baby. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Binance, the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange, said it's temporarily suspending deposits and withdrawals of U.S. dollars using bank accounts. And will work to restart their service soon. How how is this acceptable? No 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 no. Lose your lose your shit in a minute. We got more to go. I know. We got more to go. The suspension will start Wednesday, according to a Binance spokesperson. February. No specific reason was given for the suspension. Bank transfers using other fiat currencies such as euros are unaffected. The representative said. And are you ready for the quote? Yeah, I'm ready for the quote. It's worth noting that only 0.01% of our monthly active users leverage U.S. dollar bank transfers, Mm. but that we are hard working to restart, uh, working hard, either way, I can't read, to restart service as soon as possible, the spokesperson said in an emailed statement. Other methods of buying and selling crypto on Binance, such as via credit card, Google Pay, and Apple Pay remain unaffected Mm. because I want to buy cryptocurrency with Apple Pay. Right. Yep, that's me. Binance US, a separate entity designed for US users, said it is not affected by the move. I mean, how much are we going to believe? I mean, they also have come out previously and said, like, you know, we're never going to stop withdrawals or transfers or anything. So now we're, we're starting to see it. Okay. It's mm-hmm. worth noting that only 0.01% of our monthly active users, right, are leveraging this. Um, uh, first of all, prove it. But I mean, you didn't catch lessons again. Read the lessons, said Chief. Binance US is a separate entity designed for US users, said it's not affected by the move. Right. They actually have a separate platform for people in the US. Yeah, I know. And they're saying bank transfers using other fiat currencies, such as euros, are unaffected. That makes me feel like. Wait. Because all the other yeah. countries <laughs> exactly. can get money in there. Right. But for some reason that they did not disclose, intentionally did not disclose. They said that I think when I, when I when I read into this, they were citing it was an administrative issue. Well, I'll tell you, bankruptcy is an administrative issue. Yeah, they're they're starting to find out people got back doors to maybe <laughs> send, send some money out. Uh, the guy who designed FTX's back door built one for Binance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, I didn't know y'all could do that. <laughs> His last name was Wang. He was the chief technology officer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was in a thruple. He probably yeah. He with re- Carolyn, he read the news like, damn, that's pretty smart. Yeah. <laughs> I need someone to do it. Can someone call Carolyn up? She knows what she's doing. She looks skilled. Yeah. (laughs) So all I'll say about this is this is yet another 
significant warning sign mm-hmm. for Binance. And they've had this rhetoric this entire time that they were not, not the same, not the same, not the same. I'm going to call it now. Binance will not last. No. And they're the number one exchange platform. They right? will not last. There are problems there that are not being publicly disclosed. And this is not simply yeah, administrative. Especially once, once the regulation starts to come out, it, it's over. It's a wrap. Well, and this is not the quote you give. No. Or an administrative problem. Yeah, no. You just disclose what the technical problem is and why it happened. Yeah, you can't just cite administrative problems. Yeah. But spokesperson email statement said, other, than other methods of buying, blah, 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 remain unaffected. Why not tell them mm-hmm. what the problem is? Yeah, exactly. I don't want to know what's not affected. I want to know what happened. Yeah, exactly. What did you What did you find that was wrong? Yeah, it um, just seems a little sus. So something else that came out. Is sus I didn't, usable? I, sus? We'll use sus. Sus is usable? Yeah, we could do that. So you could say, I see that Heather over there taking down that glizzy, glizzy she sus. No. <laughs> I, there's so much that I can't co-sign any of that. I don't even know what a Heather is. Oh, he Googled it earlier. I ruined it. I was reading it while you were talking because I wasn't seeing what you're saying. <laughs> and it's apparently like an attractive person or somebody. Uh huh. But I think it comes from the movie Heather's. I have no idea. I, I don't. I don't really know. But basically, a Heather is the popular, beautiful, desirable person that everybody is in love with and wants to be with. So, I'm clearly the Heather of this podcast. Yeah, that's why I said. So yeah. look at that Heather over there taking down that glizzy. <laughs> it seems kind of sus. Seems kind of sus. Yeah. There you go. So yeah, you hit the trifecta on that. Should we record our TikToks after this or before? I mean, what Dude, do we, we got to start doing that. We got to start recording some content. Like we got to do our own gifs. Can you imagine if it's gifs, bro? Nobody calls them gifs. I, I don't know. Was that the proper it's vernacular? It's gifs. Hold on a second. Look. Gifs. Hold on. Right. No, it's gifs. Arun, your mic's hot. Don't don't blow your nose. <laughs> you work. You worked in media. Is it gif or, or is GIF? it gif? Did you really? Gang gang. Don't do this. How? Can, this, is this like a racial thing? This is not. What do you mean a racial <laughs> thing? No one says Jif. We all we all got gray beards. I said Jif. Yeah. Okay. Let me, so if you bought some peanut butter and it's spelled J I F F, how do you, how do you say it? Jif. Jif. Okay. No. Jif. Jif. Yeah. Seriously, you call it Jif, right? Oh no, man, does it, bro? The English. So G I F. Bro, the, Eng- the, the English language is all fucked up. No, don't don't be missing the English language. Oh, it is. I've seen. I saw, I saw somebody or I saw a video about this today. Someone was like. Seen is spelled S-E-E-N. Teen is spelled T-E-N. But then Ben is B-E-N. Come on, this shit don't even make sense. Oh, shit. I think you guys are right. Everyone just pulled it up. I'm going to turn your mic it's back on. GIF. It's pronounced GIF, not GIF. Of so, course, the grand tradition of heated debate, a flat statement of fact by the creator wasn't enough to sway some partisans. Man. On Twitter, GIF became a trending topic as some folks push back. Honestly. Graphics interchange format is is what that stands for gif graphics not j r a yeah i agree with the with the, the argument here if it's a graphics interchange format it's not a don't do this listen GIF, i feel like your, pun- your punishment should be you need to take down a glizzy i don't think i could do that like a nauseated uh, yeah. yeah you should you should take down a glizzy so i got why some- are you so soft-spoken tonight are you, are you okay my mic on no, yeah. it's it's on. You just yeah, you got a hot mic. Don't know how to you use got, it. You gotta be careful. You're supposed there. to talk into the mic, not yeah. like lick it. Yeah. It's not a glizzy. Yeah. Another one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I got something for you. You hear about your boy uh SBF? No. Is so, something happening? He's requesting all the political donations back. Wait, what? Yeah. FT, FTX requests their political donations back. He asked for it back by the end of February. He alone gave forty million. Remember, yeah, but keep in mind too. A lot of the people that he gave the donations to have like quote donated them to other people or put them aside. But it, but, it, but then it's been declared that that doesn't get you free. You got to still you got to find a way to give it back. What do you mean? The the um the politicians that have then 
used all the same dollars and sent it out to charity. Damn. They're not they're not scot free. Oh, have, because they get the, the charitable write off. Right. The government doesn't want so to they so they still got to find a way to send it back. So if you gave that money to a charity, this so then you as a politician have to go to that charity and be like, yo, you know that five million dollars I gave you? Or you better hurry up and try to raise I I think that'd be a bad PR move. You gotta now raise more money to, to get it back. Well then does it get the tax write off? Again? If the politician were to donate it. Listen, man, I'm not the IRS. What are you doing here? I'm just telling you what I read. I'm just trying to. I'm just asking questions. Just Why asking questions. It's so personal, man. <laughs> Bankman Fried was a Democrat's second largest donor between 2020 second and 2022. Second largest donor. <laughs> contributing over $37 million towards the Blue Party's election efforts, according to fund tracking website Open Secrets. Right. Top FTX executive Ryan uh, Salami. Mm-hmm. I can say that name. And that other, and that other, <laughs> donated nineteen million to GOP candidates in the same period. <laughs> that, wow! That other company that he owned, I think it was it was some Emergent that owned like fifty five million shares of Robinhood. They just filed for bankruptcy. Yeah, because all of their shares <laughs> were taken from them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's like you know what I do own three quarters of a billion dollars. Can't wait for that movie in shares. Yeah, Jonah Hill's gonna. Be although, uh, no, although, no, yeah, 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 Jonah. Yeah. Jonah Hill, I'm, look, I need to know, he needs to come out. Yeah. And he needs to give an interview talking about how on the movie, on the Netflix special, You People, how he didn't want to do it. Or, or he something. Was, or he, was, but he, he, he wrote it. You said he wrote it. Why would he want to do it? The acting performance was so god-awful. Although, His acting in particular, Eddie Murphy was good. Akbar was solid in that movie. Eddie, Eddie Murphy was good. Um, I actually liked the message the movie was sending. I thought it was Wait, whoa, great. whoa, whoa, whoa. You People, Jonah Hill, Laura London had a CGI kiss? That's not real. Oh, uh, it wasn't a real kiss. Click that article. No, I mean, it was, wait, 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 wait. You people, actor Andrew Schultz says his co-stars Jonah Hill and Laura London had a fake CGI kiss. That's not a real thing. Scroll down. I want to read this. Oh, so this kiss wasn't real. So the kiss movie fake. It's CGI. I swear to God, the comedian said on his brilliant idiots podcast. Okay, okay, consider the source. Yeah. In the movie, you can see their faces uh, come close, and then you can see their faces more. Well, he was said. in the movie, dude. Yeah, bullshit. No, he wasn't. No, no, no. This Schultz just, was in the Schultz. I don't know. I know he was in the movie, and it was a really weird thing. That's not true. I don't even know if I should share this shit, but in the final scene, they don't even kiss. Schultz said on his Brilliant Idiots podcast at the Why would he lie about mark, it? Why would he lie about it? He, that he uh, co hosts the Charlemagne the God. It's CGI. I swear to God, son. Yeah. Well, why would he lie about it? He, if he's trying to. First of all, he should have never released this information, right? But wait, Charlemagne and Andrew Schultz do a podcast together? They did this podcast before he started all of his other ones. Yeah, this is brilliant. It is this huge? Wait, really? Yeah, am I like the last person on earth to know this? No, they're 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 pretty big. I mean, not not big. I think they're they're, (laughs) I think they're a top point zero five percent podcast. You looked that up, didn't you? I did. I had to. You know, I had to. Point zero five percent. Point zero five. I mean, that's that's still pretty good. They don't really kiss. Yeah, play come that. on now. Their oh, faces, their their faces are blurry. Yeah. Wow, that's wow. that's real. Told you, man. Why wouldn't you just kiss her, bro? You gotta, you gotta believe Schultz, man. Wouldn't I mean, you? plus Jonah Hill's got a girl now. What? Yeah. Hold on a second. I'm taking your mic off. I will allow you to speak on this topic. Yeah. It's not the only time they kiss. It's the only time that I remember. In the movie, yeah. Kissing. In the yeah. whole movie, that's the only time they kiss. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did study the makeout sessions of the movie in Deaton. I have no idea. I think it's only one time. Yeah. Right. He, dude, he's probably he probably didn't want to kiss her because he was afraid Nipsey Hussle would come back. I don't know. I don't. I don't even want to get this. Let's just <laughs> move on to the next topic here. We're not. I'm not. I'm not touching that with a ten foot pole. Right. Yield curves, brother. Hit me with some star stories. No, some this articles. Is, this is the one that I told you that I only was citing this for the jobs the jobs report. Maybe we should get into some of the Q and A. 
the qua the the qua <laughs> yeah. as the as mind pump fans know it as yeah which you know i was around back in the day when they actually came up with that term were you yeah really not physically in the studio but i was listening yeah, to you were the listening. Show. Yeah, yeah. yeah did you ever submit a qua uh yeah i did way back in the day and then uh you know and then adam stopped returning my text messages <laughs> <laughs> oh that's good all right let's start off with yours so what do you and Saeed think about the rising eviction rates nationwide? Uh, I don't think there's anything alarming as of right now. Really? Yeah. So I think that evictions were held off largely because of eviction moratoriums. That's why I think this is a, that, that's why I feel like it's a big deal, right? Nah. If you look at, if you look at kind of the, the pace and the cadence of evictions that, that you've seen so far, mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen a, a particularly large jump in any one market. Mm-hmm. Uh, states with the highest and lowest eviction well, highest uh south carolina 21.1 percent wow wow uh lowest maine 0.2 percent shout out to maine yeah wow. uh, so i had this article uh from the real deal that i i pulled up from uh citing blackstone you had this article for like three weeks for three weeks and we never been trying to work I, this into a show I never, for like three but this, weeks yeah but finally this it makes sense to uh to bring it in so the article says uh, Blackstone, one of the company's biggest landlords, it's ramping up its evictions to help struggling real estate investment trusts. The filings could improve cash flow of the Blackstone Real Estate Investment Trust, its struggling $69 billion fund, which recently restricted withdrawals in response to rising redemption requests. Blackstone says for two years it held off on evicting tenants who, owned, who owed rent. Eviction is always a last resort, and in each instance, we offer residents a range of options, including flexible play- payment plans and rent forgiveness. We'll be far away from the mic, bro. I'm hitting that hum on my, my, my microphone. Yeah. Is, so, I mean, it's, and it's true. We saw this. We saw what's this. What's their vacancy, though? That's the problem. We we saw this. Um, what's, the, what's their vacancy? It doesn't. The, the article doesn't say yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard to know. I mean, look, I'm, I'm all for, you know, if you're a real estate investment trust and, and your job is to go out there and make as much money as you can for your shareholders, mm-hmm. like, I get it. But, you know, this is not going to be a, it should not be, if you've managed your properties appropriately, this should not be a windfall or a, it, all it should be doing is improving cash flow incrementally. Right. So unless there's like some ungodly amount of, of vacancies, which I would find it really hard to believe given their subject matter expertise in this topic. I don't think that there's going to be vacancy rates so what, in the U.S. are at a low three percent, right? High construction. That's just the U.S. So first though. of all, let's explain what a real estate investment trust is, okay? Because this is this is I think a tool that some people try to use who don't have a lot of money that want to get into investing in you know income producing properties, but you know don't see themselves being able to gather enough income to invest and buy some themselves. So what they do is. They invest in a real estate investment trust that owns a bunch of income producing properties and they're just, they own a small share in this investment trust. Yeah. Just think of it as like this, like a group of people get together, get together, they buy a, a bunch of real estate. A company. A right? company, you know, well, the trust is right. structured. So it buys a bunch of real estate, they fund it, it buys a bunch of real estate. Then you can buy shares in that trust or company. And those shares are just like stock. Mm-hmm. The only difference is as you as a holder of that investment into a real estate investment trust, which some of them do trade on Wall Street like a stock. Right. You have the depreciation amortization benefit of owning real estate right. vis-a-vis your ownership in that stock. Yes, exactly. Now, it, it, it is hard to qualify 
to create one of these. Not everyone, not every company can just go out and you know qualify yeah. to create one. I want I actually wanted to get your take. I was curious, what are your thoughts on you know using that avenue to get into the real estate game? Uh, what do you mean, like uh, as a consumer just buying stock like that? Yeah, like for instance, you know, for some people like who maybe don't make a lot of money, but they want to invest in, you know, they have some, you know, some disposable income that they'd like to invest in, and you know, their preferred avenue is, you know, real estate. Maybe that's the approach or the route that they take, right? But I know we've said on the pat on the past. For sometimes there's other fees associated with this. That management fees, yeah, yeah. So it, there's a lot of people who own a lot of stock. Mm-hmm. who want the benefit of depreciation and amortization, they'll buy REITs. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who don't want the hassle of having to deal with property management, the issues, so they'll buy real estate vis-a-vis a REIT. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of reasons to do it. it true story, I actually looked uh, somewhere around 2007, 2008 at starting my own REIT and kind of went down the path. How cool. All right. uh, but the bank started up and kind of went at a faster trajectory than I expected, so I kind of got away from it, but that right. was originally kind of one of my first plans. And honestly... Right. At some point in time, maybe in the future, maybe that's something that I that I consider doing. So, what um, is the 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 depreciation and amortization um, benefit that people get out of that? It's the incremental share of so whatever how many shares you buy. Yeah, it, it effectively, like, think about it this way: as a pool of real estate has depreciation and amortization calculated for tax purposes, the same way you would as an owner who owns a property, right? Right. You depreciate over the same amount of years, and you have your 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 debt amortized over mm-hmm. a certain amount of years. Those things are calculated per property. Mm-hmm. And add it together for the tax basis for everybody, right? Yeah, it's a benefit in the tax code that they give to real estate owners that you get to depreciate right. your asset over time every year. And they just divide that aggregate number across the entire pool of assets right. by the number of shares. And however many shares you own, you get mm-hmm. your you know pro rata share of the depreciation amortization. Right. You get to so write, the more shares you own, the more you get. Right. You get to write off, you know, discount some of that income that you made. Now, I would say for most people, mm-hmm. I don't recommend this as a way to go. Yeah, I, I've heard for, you say that before, so I was curious as to why. For most people, I, I think you you want to get into property ownership. You want to you want to own stuff. Mm-hmm. If you have a lot of cash or you're dragging a lot of stocks, mm-hmm. uh, and and you're a wealthier individual, this might be a great investment strategy for you. Mm-hmm. But truly, I believe that you really want the equity upside of owning a property, you want to be in them and you'll be somewhat pragmatic about understanding the business. And if you're younger and, and you're, you have the energy to learn and grow, I, I really think owning a property and building your own property portfolio is a better value to you. Perfect, yeah. My, my personal opinion. Yeah, yeah. And I agree with that, which is a perfect segue into our next question. From, oh, that one was from Real Matthew Hayes. This one from JD, 50,000 cash, all on low cost ETF like VOO or first rental property. I have tenants lined up already. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming it's uh, which one would you rather do either or? So at this juncture in life, mm-hmm. um, that's well, first of all, anytime we give investment li- advice like this to anybody, it is really truly unique to you. Yes. So it's hard to answer these questions and give somebody like a 100% good faith answer because we don't know. In general, I would say right now, if you have the choice of putting fifty thousand into a property, mm-hmm. putting fifty thousand into VOO, which is a low cost index fund, Vanguard, right? I would say I would hold off and go into the property, right? If you already have tenants lined up, and you know what you're going to do, and it's cash flow positive. I know, and they did say tenants, so I'm assuming multiple units. Well, this assumes that the property is cash flow positive. If the property is not cash flow positive, mm-hmm. then I would say hesitate, wait, maybe find a better opportunity to buy. 
Again, I don't think that now is the time to buy. I think you wait till January. You, you be a little more pragmatic and thoughtful because you'll is see. Is it some, January or July? July, sorry. July. Yeah. Be a little more pragmatic and thoughtful and you wait till the values come down a little bit. Mm-hmm. It might mean a higher interest rate, and I, I think that it will. Mm-hmm. But I think the incremental difference in interest rate versus right now and potentially getting a, a significant improvement on the value, depending on what market you're in. So, again, yeah. they so vary it does, too. Right. I mean, there's so much to this picture that we don't know, right? So, I mean, this is uh, like, like Chris said, you should definitely. Also, you know, do some more research and consult somebody that maybe knows you a little bit, a little bit more as well. Mm-hmm. But it looks like from the question they said, first rental property, right? So being it as it, it may be their first property, how would you go about finding to see if a, a cash flows, right? Well, you it depends. I mean, so if, if, you're, if you're 60 years old and this is your first investment property, I would say that that's a completely different decision than if you're like 25 years old or 30 years old and this is your first investment property. Right. So just assume that our audience is generally younger. Yes. And they're on the younger side of that equation. I think you go first investment property and as long yeah. as it cash flows, you know. They reach out reach out to a broker, have them maybe provide you a package, right? Of a, well, it depends of, on what kind of property it is, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. If, if it's a single family residence, then you need to do your own market research on rental rates. But you can actually see if your appraisal includes a rent uh, assessment. Yes. A, a, a uh, income approach to rent or a rent, uh, what's the other? Survey, rental survey. There mm-hmm. we go. I'm stuck on stupid tonight. No, you got it. You pulled it out though. Yeah, it's not my best day. Yeah. Sorry. Went through the Rolodex. Next question. Next question from Vic Ramirez 18. What should investors be mindful of regarding forward guidance from the Fed? Well, that forward guidance from the Fed could literally change at any moment, given that there are good prints and bad prints. A good example. I don't think so, though, man. You think so? I feel yeah, like they've yeah. been they've been consistent on what what because they because there hasn't been a curveball, right? At least there hasn't been a curveball against what they were planning to do, right? So I will say there was an argument, and this is why I was somewhat soft on on the March Fed interest rate increase. You're always kind of soft, though. Ah, oh, those glizzies do it to you, bro. <laughs> um, so. When they, they were talking about the original March Fed interest rate increase, I don't think they were, the rhetoric was as stern as it is now. Mm-hmm. And I would say that the minutes in the Fed meeting have said things that are, I think are pretty strong indicators of what they're going to do. Number one was like, you know, they're, they're going to hold rates through the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Number two was they're not afraid of over tight or over increasing rate. Right. And over tightening. They're, they're afraid of not doing enough tightening. Exactly. So a lot of these things, when you think about it, they're not afraid to go up in number as far as the Fed funds terminal rate goes. Right. So, but there's always a hesitation with the Fed being the most communicative Fed that we've seen, I think, in history, mm-hmm. that their communications are based on what they know then and there. Right. Those things can change. A print like this unemployment number. But they've been very, very upfront about their data driven. Yeah. You know, so like if the data changes, but right. the market takes everything the Fed says is gospel and runs with it. Right. Oh, the Fed said this in the minutes. Let's go. It's positive. It's going to be a slowdown. And it's like, okay, well, you shouldn't do that. Right. You should take it for what it is at the time and know that it can and in some cases will change. Right. Bad prints like this for that work against the Fed, that's only going to make them more hawkish as opposed right. to dovish. Right. So more eager to do it, less you know gentle and not eager to do it. Yeah. Hawkish and dovish. You'll hear those terms a lot if you listen to CNBC. And bullish. Yeah, and bullish. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's not like rabbitish. Yeah. There's not an offsetting one there. Yeah. It's funny how they have bullish but not bearish. Because it's not really the same thing for the markets. Yeah. All right. So thank you, Vic, for the great question. And next one. When did we abandon the word custom for bespoke? Oh, okay. 
Uh, so actually, bespoke came first. Custom came later. Mm -hmm. uh, bespoke is a traditional language as it relates to tailoring or custom clothers, if you will. Bespoke mm -hmm. tailors. So like uh, a custom suit versus a, yeah. Intern yeah. pulled it up. This is the same as custom tailoring, but the pattern is adjusted throughout the fitting. In custom tailoring, the pattern is adjusted after the final garment is made and delivered. You need multiple fittings to get a true bespoke fit. So yeah, I currently need multiple fittings if you're Chris. Well, especially if you keep eating, right? Crazy. Those glizzies don't help. Just crazy. Yeah, bro. I'm I'm like a, past the first knuckle on my belly button right now. It's it's. I love the honesty. Like, the belly button test is not a friendly test for me right now. And the worst part is, is like, I've gotten to the point now where I I can suck it in. Yeah. Like my stomach. Yeah, then, like you know, like. But then you're talking like this, and I still look skinny. <laughs> but the fact that I can do that to look skinny is weird. Yeah. Like it's just not a normal thing for me. So. Right. Uh, yeah, uh, it, it's, uh, it's an embarrassing point, point of my life and, and I'm not, a, I'm not afraid to share it, mm -hmm. but I certainly am afraid to show up my shirt off. Right. Uh, but yeah, so bespoke was, was, um, kind of the original term custom is, it really refers to something else. I actually have a, a, a true bespoke suit being made right now. Yeah. So I went in for measurements. Yes. Suit comes, they put it on you in what I would call like a structured like test. Yeah. They see how that fits. They adjust the material, not tailor it, adjust it. Then they give you a finished jacket and they'll tailor that jacket if necessary in your final fitting. If you don't have three fittings like that, it's generally mm -hmm. not bespoke. It's usually custom. Right. Yeah. Basically what girls go through when they try to get their wedding dresses. I wouldn't know, man. Yeah. I wouldn't know. I'm not a girl. Yeah. And I don't go wedding dress shopping. Come on. Nope. All right. <laughs> All right. So, uh, any thoughts on the fixed mortgage rate jumping to 6.39%? Looks like they're baking in that. <laughs> they're baking in March. Yeah. Uh, no, no thoughts on it other than I expect it to go higher, man. Yeah. Everybody was like, oh, the market dipped. It's amazing. I'm like, well, did it really? Yeah. I don't think so. I know. A lot, yeah. of, a, lot, a lot of buyers started to get some optimism again, but rates started to go back up. Again. Let me be that guy. It's not that I don't want to be optimistic. It's just I truly do expect there to be a lot of turmoil in the markets this year. And I don't think anyone should be overzealously joyous mm -hmm. about some of the stuff that we're seeing in the markets right now. I really want to revisit these issues again in June, July and see where we're at then. Well, sadly, I got nothing better to do, and I got nothing but time. So <laughs> we will revisit the shit out of these articles. <laughs> yeah. Next, if you could talk about any other topic except for sports, what would it be? Me? I mean, us. Go first. If I could talk about any other topic, I think it would be more about you know fatherhood and parenting. I love talking Why about. Why you got to play like the higher role? Like, <laughs> I'm not. It's not a. It's not. Come I, on, I'm man. being serious. I really enjoy it. I you, enjoy you, it. And I, you enjoy I'm talking about to, glizzies and heathers. I do not. I, I was the one trying to get us off the glizzies. No, you were not trying to get out. You yeah, were laughing your I, ass off. When I, was about that. I was not. That was the intern in and the background. Speaking of being disingenuous, I, I wasn't going to bring this up, but it bothers me. And I've had some follow-up conversations with people that were concerned about some of the stuff that you said on the show. Oh, really? Is between, that what happened? There's a number of listeners, including myself, that take objection with a just an outright, out, out and out lie. Oh, what is this? You're a liar, sir. For what? There is no world, not one. Where's this going? Ever, Where okay? the fuck is this going? You've never stood on a toilet seat oh, and military what? pooped oh, over a toilet. Yes. That has never happened. That has happened. That, that's happened. 
God yep. is my witness, brother. That I'll show you right now. Happened. Heels, you couldn't even heels, do that. Heels you on the ground. I'll go ass bro, to grass. You got big thighs. You got big booty. There, there is no physiological. Honestly, way. I think that's it, why they named me the eighth wonder of the world. Stop. That's, it's amazing. There's no physiological. I'll show you right now. So you're telling me if I ask you right now, you could get down into a squatting stance with your heels planted. Yep. And put the booty down like that. You want to bet? There's no way. Let's bet. How much you want to bet? How much you want to bet on it? Let's do right now. Right now. All right. Let's go. There's no way. Let's go. I'm gonna do it right now. You're gonna fall over. Let's go. You're gonna fall. I'm ruining. I'm turning your mic on for this. There's no way in hell. All right. Here we go. Heels down. I want to see your heels on the floor. No, there's. That's actually impressive. Jesus Christ. Wow. You can do that on a toilet seat though. Legs closer together. Legs closer together. Let's closer together. That is awkwardly flexible. Yeah. That is. That is. That okay. I stand. I stand corrected. Maybe exactly. I maybe I misjudged the fact that you listen, got small femurs do, or something. Listen, I do my I do my combat stretch. That that is I do that my ninety I do my ninety nineties. Okay. I don't know what you just said. None of that. Uh, that that how can you say that? I mean, you don't listen to Mind Pump. I do. All right. Yeah, I got my Prime Pro. I, I do my mobility trainings. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm declaring shenanigans. Let's go on to the next question because that I, was I, impressive. I stand somewhat correct. I still, I would be shocked if you, if I, let me tell you right now, if I ever watch right, we'll you do that somewhere. We'll go, we'll go to the stall right after the show. And show I, I want to see this. You can, keep your, you can keep your clothes on. I just, I just want to see right. if you can physiologize. I don't, I, I can't believe it. No, but seriously, I. Arun, can you, I mean, your mic's on. Can you, can you, do you believe this? I don't believe it. There's no I way, just, right? I, I just showed you guys. I, physically, I guess you can do it, which is even more weird, but I, yeah. no. Yeah. I, right. I don't, I don't believe that you when have. When was the last time you did that? I, yeah. I haven't needed to. Ever? No, I, I'm I'm actually able to. So I, I'm I'm pretty scheduled. I'm usually a morning guy, and that's it. So once I'm out there, I do it. I'm morning. I'm done. Wait, you go once a day? No, twice. I usually do twice in the morning before I leave. What? Yeah, two times in the morning. I go two like times in the morning. Two times a day, man. Two times. Yeah, but that's not good. That means your food's not digesting properly. If you're if you're going right after you eat, it's not digesting properly. I go all day long. That's not that's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. My, it's my a, system I, works overtime. I think it's definitely a bad thing. Imagine how fat we'd be. Go once a day. No, oh you would actually. God. Can you imagine? No, it once or twice a day, you would actually be skinnier because your food is digesting, taking the nutrients nutrients in. Right now, it's just shitting out all the nutrients. I gotta be honest. You'd actually be I skinnier. Don't, I don't think uh, you poop pellets like rabbits too. No, no, you just no. like drop those things out. Yeah, none of this. None of this seems. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. You, give know, you, this you one. know. You know. You know. You know. What we need to. We got. We got to talk to our boy Ted Lifts and ask him how many times a day he should be going. He knows the digestive system really well. What? Oh, he does. Yeah. yeah. We'll ask him. Yeah. All right, let's go on to the next question. Okay, next question. I'm still skeptical, but I'll take it. All right. Uh, let's see. Why do agencies offer better pricing than banks? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like uh, Freddie Mac? Like Freddie Mac, Fannie mm -hmm. Mae, FHA, right? Yeah, because their their mission is to effectively help kind of encourage lending in the markets. Mm -hmm. I would say their cost of funds is a lot cheaper than most banks, and most banks usually have an agency-related product, but because those agency products have strict underwriting guidelines, most people right. don't aim or conform to them, but uh, I would say that they don't always have better pricing than banks. I would say in this market, they generally do. Oh, but, really? Okay. Yeah. So for, for the listeners out there that don't, that don't know agencies, right, are government-sponsored lending such as Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Federal Housing. The GSEs. Yeah, they're not, um, they're not actually making the loans, right? In some instances, they're actually buying them to provide access. Yeah, their job is to provide liquidity to the market to, to, to create exactly. more, more lending because the more they buy and package and securitize, for mm -hmm. example, the more they're giving cash back to the lenders so that they can continue to lend. Right. So it, so in one instance, the benefit is they're more lenient in some of their you know qualifications for these loans. But in the other sense, the cost is it costs you more upfront. 
more right. lenient in their underwriting like guidance, but yes. more stringent in their documentation requirements. Exactly. It's kind of the trade-off. So like uh, if you're not somebody who can fully prove out everything that you're doing, mm-hmm. you know, tax returns, income statements, all that kind of stuff, then you generally can't get a loan through them. That, that, that's kind of the trade-off. Right. Yeah. People got to be showing all their income. Yeah, because they securitize all this stuff. So they, they need widgets is what they're looking for. They want similarly situated circumstances. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Last question. Do you follow Benjamin Graham's rules and equations for buying stocks or do you buy ones you believe in long term? Who is Benjamin Graham? Oh, what? The intelligent investor, man. The father of uh, investing? I do not know who that is. What? You know who this is? No. Come on, man. The intelligent investor. Investment is most intelligent when it's most businesslike. The intelligent investor. Graham. Yeah. Sounds just like Ray Dalio's principles. You actually, you gave me his book once. That's crazy. So he's known, he's he's known as the father of value investing. I didn't give you this book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you did. No, I didn't. You did. Intelligent investor? Yeah. Never read it. He's like, read this book. You just, did you want me to do the reading for you? I didn't read this book. I don't, you got it from somebody else, bro. Really? Maybe it was. I mean, it's, it's either Nick. you or, or Professor it's, it's, Norris. No, Nick for sure. Right. This is a Nick book. Yeah. I can tell because, you know, he likes books that give you really bad quotes. Right. <laughs> yeah. That makes, that makes sense. So basically what, what he preaches is that his equations help you find the quote unquote intrinsic value of an asset versus whatever its current market value is. Right. And he has got all these equations to get you to back in back into it right benjamin graham was a british-born american economist professor and investor he's widely known as the father of value investing and wrote two of the founding texts in neoclassical investing because i know what that means security analyst uh analysis with david dodd and the intelligent investor wikipedia mm-hmm. interesting yeah he was born in 1894 in london what in the shit kind of what he's talking about man so there's no color photos of this guy <laughs> <laughs> that's, what you're, that's what you're telling me. That's what I'm telling you. It, so I think that answers your question. <laughs> yeah. What answers you, it answers your question that we generally, at least I generally, like to invest in things long term. Um, I don't have that much disposable income like Chris to just be uh, dividing it up in all these different pools. Why, why we got to go here? Why, why you we got to do this? What I mean, we're we're being honest. I, no, we're not being honest. We're, I don't have gotta, disposable income. <laughs> this is what we got a lot of disposable income. I have income that I dispose of. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So um, a lot of my stuff goes into index funds, ETFs, things like that. Don't brag. No, well, it's not a brag. Don't brag. Low, low costing index. Forty seven hundred dollars a month mortgage payment. That's why I don't have a lot of disposable Bruh. income. You want me to save you three grand moving <laughs> to my place? <laughs> nah, I can't get that anymore. You you could have if you would have listened to me when I told you back in the day. No, I could not. Get out of here. Well, he doesn't even know who gave him the intelligent investor. You think he knows who gave him advice? Um, you nah, don't know. Nah, now I'm almost 100% certain it was Professor Norris. Yeah, bro, I for sure did not give you this book. I've never read yeah. the book in my day of my life. Yeah. Yeah. This dude died in September 21st. I'm, tell- I'm 19- telling you right now. He died four years before I was born. He died in France. I'm telling you right now, you're going to get torn to shreds for not knowing who this guy is. Probably. Yeah. I'm telling Probably. you right now. I will say there is an alarming trend of you with less followers getting more people asking you questions than me on my page. I, I actually, How does that happen? So uh, one of the listeners actually mentioned, I saw Chris's post first for the Q&A, but I had to hit your box to inflate your numbers over his. <laughs> What's the username so I can block him? Um, Ted Lifts. Stop. <laughs> it's Ted? It's Ted. Ted, you bastard. Love me some Ted. Damn it. Ah uh, well, I won't block him, but I'll send him some hate mail. Anyways, I'll send him a picture of a Glizzy. That was all the questions 
Thank you to everyone who left a question. Appreciate you. So, Arun, I'm going to put your mic on. This is probably the most brilliant thing you've ever pulled up on an episode. So this is actually a picture mm. in a bathroom stall probably, on the wall next to the toilet. Probably one that I've been to. Nope. And this says, please do not flush feminine products, trash, or disposable wipes. And then gives you pictures below it. One on the right shows a person <laughs> sitting in the toilet mm-hmm. like they normally would. With a check mark. Feet on the floor. With a green check mark. Mm-hmm. Feet on the floor. And the one on the left says, effectively, please do not squat on the toilet rim and poop inside the toilet with the red X and the word no. Yes. Obviously. Obviously. But if you kept your toilet clean, maybe uh, I would have. But I had to. This is a compelling, confusing thing for and me. And this is this is only like that means other people are doing this. I'm telling. <laughs> that, that's the part that I'm very off. I, what I'm, the hell? Honestly, just you know why you've never looked into it because you can't do it. No, I cannot do it. Yeah. I'm six foot five, like two seventy, bro. I'm, I've never thought like of the doing the gravity doesn't yeah. work in my favor. Yeah, I mean, I, you haven't thought of it because you know what you're capable of. Like, okay. You know you, you, you know, know your limitations. I know my limitations. Okay, no, 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 no. We're gonna we're gonna do this. We're gonna carry this trend on. Okay. Okay. I thought he was gonna try to do it right now. No, no, I can't do it. I'm telling you, I can't get my heels to stay down. Yeah. You ever been to China? No, I have not. All right. So this was actually at a Chinese. Oh, that makes okay. I know why this this is like this. Then okay, I can explain. Okay. So I've been to China. Now, if you go to like Shanghai and you go to the airport, like normal toilets, normal situation. But when you go into um, certain airports like Guangzhou, which is largely an industrial area, mm-hmm. and um, there are not always traditional bathrooms there. I really, really had to go number two when leaving Guangzhou's airport to go to, I think, Shanghai. Mm-hmm. And the entire time in Guangzhou, I had avoided the non-US-like toilet, which, to paint an image, you walk into a large room. On your left are sinks, and on your right is like this giant platform pedestal. Right. You step onto this, pe- this pedestal, and there are holes in the floor. Mm-hmm. And it's not uncommon for Chinese males in this bathroom to squat like you were able to do Mm -hmm. over the toilet, over this hole, Mm -hmm. and poop in it while reading a newspaper like 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 you normally would in a toilet stall in the United States with privacy, but with no privacy. Right. And I've been very clear that I physically cannot do this. You know every every person born is able to do this. Yeah, it just I'm not flexible enough anymore. Yeah, Yeah, I got lost that flexibility. We got to work on that. I, you know, I, I just got really big thighs. But that being said, I was forced to try to do this because it was the only bathroom and I really had to go. Calves must have been on fire. But the whole time, I'm worried about, like, I, again, my stuff doesn't always go straight down. Oh. <laughs> like, like, Why, like, man? You know, I'm just saying, being oh, honest. Oh, like, my God. I'd never done this before. So, like, for me, this was, like, very intimidating. It was honestly one of the most stressful things I, I've ever had to do. Don't encourage this. Talking Google the seven types of poop. <laughs> it's a one weird trick that might help you poop Uh-oh. better, and then it was in the bottom of it. But I, I, honestly, it was one of the most like socially like stressful. First of all, like, I'm struggling just doing it. Yeah, I'm already a big person in a country where most people are small. Yeah. Right, like it's I'm already freakish when I walk in the room. Yes, I'm clearly different. For more ways than one. Yeah, I don't have a newspaper to cover my face, so I'm looking at everybody. <laughs> look at me. Right. Yeah. And I'm really struggling. Like, so there's no stalls? No, it's it's wide open. There's holes in the floor, like spaced out. I'm not gonna be able to do and that. And there's people there's people I'm like, not gonna be able to do that. And there was there was two guys in the in the room. And they, were, they were they were like in the full seated like position like that going. Mm-hmm. 
They had one of them had a news tape, the other one didn't. He was just kind of like sitting there. Chill. I think he was on his phone. He was on his cell phone. He was just checking people out. Wait, no, he was on his cell phone. Wait, waiting for guys like you to walk in. And I, I literally, like, I was so embarrassed. Yeah. I, I physically could not do it. And then I sat there because my butthole got stage fright. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's not, it's not a normal thing to do. Like a talent show. You got stage it's, fright on stage. It's so, it was, it was one of the most like logistics, logistical challenging things. So Arun's pulled it up. This so. alone, this alone will keep me from visiting China. So it's just like that one with, with the, so the picture you have with the walls and separating. Imagine that, but with no partitions, like the one right there in the bottom, right below it. You see that one on the bottom, like that. Yeah. So that's what it was like. That's unbelievable. I didn't even know this. this so existed. this is what it looks like, and they poop on it. And, but here's here's the other thing. You notice it when you look here. Hmm? No toilet paper. What? No toilet paper. No water. Unacceptable. Yeah, because usually when you squat down like that, it's just a clean break. Yeah. So read, click on that. You how to use a squat toilet thing right there. Yeah. <laughs> there, there is no amount of there is no magical concoction that I will ever eat. Oh, why China? It has an article that's it's good too. Why right China? But master the squat. Okay, I lost that right there. Pack tissues and hand sanitizers. Roll up pants. Oh no, yeah. this is bad. So again, like I didn't have a chance to Google this stuff. I didn't. I expected to avoid. I thought at an airport. That I would never know. I, I thought at an airport, you, it, you know, it was an international airport, that I would be able to see like normal toilets. And here's, here's the sad part. So I go through this ordeal. Okay. Right. I get through this whole situation. I had to like find toilet paper, which they didn't have. They, they actually wound up using a water spray thing, mm -hmm. but there was nothing to dry myself with. I get out. It's, it's been an, a really, really long time. Wow. And we get, we go to get on the plane and I'm, and I'm, I'm, morbidly like embarrassed and everyone's like where'd you go and i had to explain this to him i mean there's no way i can i, I can no. not explain dude i'm seeing so many of these with you know no doors nothing yeah they don't have doors yeah and it's it must be like it's so it's so common there then people must not care it's incredibly common yeah they don't, it's not, there's no social embarrassment anxiety at all this is incredibly common for them it's normal wow but here's the best part mm -hmm. we go to our gate at the airport yeah. the bathroom right next to our gate traditional u.s toilets yeah yeah Game time. No, no. I already went in, in, the, in, the, in the Chinese toilets. At, at that point, you just got to go again just I, I was, for the culture. No, I actually went in and, and, and wiped everything up and <laughs> cleaned up everything. Yeah. Well, uh, I think you found we, a way to fit it in, huh? Yeah. You know, you always got to get a little poo poo talking in the, in the episode. <laughs> you want to go over some more questions or is that it? That was it. That was actually it. That was it? Really? Yeah. And then, no some, and then somebody actually asked me to do a solo episode. That's not a lie. That actually happened. Just, you should. Yeah. What about a solo episode by Mr. Omar? I, I, you know what I said? I said, absolutely. The back end processing team, editing team will be working overtime. Cause I'd be, <laughs> I would be, I would have to pause and think and re, re say this, re say that. I have advocated hard for uh, over a year now for you to do a solo. Yeah. That was Misa. Shout out to Misa for, uh, mm, yeah. Giving me the vote of confidence. The homie. Yeah. Well, if you ever want to do a solo, out there i like doing it's it. not as easy though man 20 minutes non-stop all on your own telling you i couldn't do it. it it's not exactly sexy but when, once we start to get like the uh youtube page up and running i wouldn't mind doing some educational stuff you'd have to know something to be able to teach somebody yeah something. i knew see that was that was low-hanging fruit we got, we got a teleprompter low-hanging fruit we got a teleprompter yeah i, yeah, I read and yeah, you, you can just talk about somebody else's book like everybody else on instagram does <laughs> yeah oh yeah. I, oh i'll do that i'll start up a book club for the higher standard, the higher standard book club. I will not subscribe. <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll not be me. 
I will not be your first subscriber. Come on. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you, dog. I'm Book Club Wednesdays. Months. It would be a thing. That is not going to happen. Come on. I think people I got limited it. time as it I is think, right I think now. People, I think people want it. Joining your book club is not got, on my top 10 list. I got parenting list. books. Yep. Not going to yeah, do that. I got all that. Not going to do that. Yeah. Mm-mm, no. Say goodnight, everybody. <laughs> goodnight, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, so be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.